0: Welcome to Woman Self-Made podcast. Today I'm speaking to Karen Newton. Karen is a multimillionaire and a wealth coach. She famously turned 300 pounds on her credit card into 10 million pounds in a few years. And now she teaches people to do the same. And she tells us how in the interview. She also shares her billion dollar vision and her tips for investing. So please welcome Karen Newton. when did you consider yourself successful when did you realize that you are in fact successful
1: well it's probably not what people expect to hear uh, because uh, i suppose we'll get into money which is my field and our wealth but what, one of the proudest moments where i consider myself successful is i had a car crash And I was left in a wheelchair, unable to walk. And I learned to walk again two years after um, the accident. I was walking. And to me, that was a huge success because it meant that I could set my mind to anything that I wanted to do. And I was going to be able to do it you know, people had told me I wouldn't walk, they wrote me off. And it was only because I kept hounding and hounding that uh, my GP sent me to actually sent me to a psychiatrist, because he said, you're not learning that you can't do what you used to do. So we're going to send you to a psychiatrist. And when I saw the psychiatrist, the question was, why are you here? And I said, Because I want you to go back to my GP and tell him there's nothing wrong with my brain. It's my legs, my back and everything that doesn't work. And he said, okay, come back. We'll do a second session. And I went back the second time and he said to me, how do you feel about seeing a, a different doctor? And I said, I'm willing to try anything. He said, I thought you would. He said, my brother-in-law's a doctor. He's in the next room. And that was what started me able to walk. And I thought, you know what? I could have given up and accepted that that was my future. And I wanted something different. So to me, that was a huge success because I knew then I had the mindset to do whatever I wanted to do. I had the focus, the determination. I was going to do it. It took me two years to learn to walk. It took me another five years to ski, As yeah, to get on a tennis court. It took me another two years after that to go skiing. You know, that was to me the first time I realized I could be successful. I could do whatever I wanted to do.
0: Wow, this is... Such an extraordinary, extraordinary story. And yeah, that's, that's tremendous achievement of, uh, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for sharing it. You, uh, you touched upon focus, determination. Um, is that something that you, you feel you've always had, or you've discovered that through this unfortunate accident?
1: No, I think I've, I've had that there because I was a tennis player before, mm-hmm. um, I started uh, playing tennis when I was six years old and I turned professional. So I became a professional tennis player, but I had an accident. <laughs> Accidents play a huge uh, role in my life and change in direction. And I had an accident. And within three months of uh, turning professional, I had to go and have surgery on my wrist. Right. I'm always, have that ability to focus. You have to. If you if you're a professional sports person, you have to have that ability to shut everything out around you and focus on what you want. Uh, some people say you're driven, which is really a good terminology for things. But yeah, it it's um I would say it's just a skill that I've developed since I was really young and that has allowed me to do so much that I probably would never have done before.
0: Uh, thank you. So, uh, so, sounds that sport had was a big influence on you from early age. Um, would you say some other influences, perhaps your upbringing or the family, had also a, those formative uh, role in which Karen has become later? Definitely. Um, you
1: know. My age, I don't mind saying, I'm 63, so I was born in the 1950s. And all the images, everything around the 1950s was that you get married, you have kids, you're the housewife. Uh, My mum would always say to me, you go and do what you want to do. Don't let people tell you that you're going to do something else. So I had that from my mother, right? My dad was, there's no such word as can't. He had a little dictionary. I have it today. It's on uh, my bookshelf. <laughs> <laughs> and it's an old dictionary. And the word can't isn't in there. So if I, ever really? to, if I ever said to him, I can't do something, he'd hand me the book, the dictionary, and he'd say, look it up. Look the word can't up. <laughs> And I'd be going through it, (laughs) I knew that it's not in here. I need to say, that's right. It's either you don't want to, or you don't know how to. And it was, if you don't want to, tough luck, get off your backside, go and do it. If you don't know how, then you ask for help, and we teach you how to do something.
0: Wow, that's... uh that's what that's a wonder, wonderful wonderful story um, did you have any siblings are they are they similar are they similar to you or were you the only child i'm one of five um twins born before
1: me died um quite young so I sort of think of myself as the eldest, if you like. And then um, I had a brother and a sister. Uh, my brother also died and I have a, a sister. The, we're actually not close. The, there's a quite a big age gap between us. And my brother used to be like the, the one who was between the two of us, if you like, and kept a lot of communication going. But since my brother died, we we're just not close, but they were brought up in exactly the same environment. You know, my my sister my sister is so clever, so um brainy, but she never wanted to use her brain, and she lives the life that she wants to live. She. She used to say to my mum, "I don't want to work like Karen had to work at school to get these grades." Mum mm-hmm. would say to her, "You never had to because you're the one who had all the brains, and Karen was the one who had to do all the work to get it." A-
0: <laughs> but my sister, didn't do it. That sounds a bit unfair.
1: <laughs> my um, brother, um, he was military. He went into the forces, and that was really his lifestyle. Um, He When he came out of the forces, he set up his own business. So, he well, he went to work for someone and then he saw opportunities to set up his own business. So, yeah, we've, we've all gone down different paths, but we've all had that same grounding. So I guess it comes back to what each of us took out of what was given to us, I guess.
0: And is it the same way you're bringing up, you were bringing up your own children?
1: Yes and no. <laughs> um, my daughter's adopted. Uh, she came to us when she was eight years old. So there were certain things that we had to work around. That, you know, there's always issues with um, adopted children. So that we had to look at things slightly different um, with her. Um, interesting, you know, lifestyle with her has been um, totally different she's someone who doesn't like to go outside so if she ever played up you know it was never go to your bedroom it was go outside and play and she's going why do I have to go outside and play what kind of punishment is that for what I'm doing and we <laughs> go outside and play so that sort of became you know we, we have to think differently with her because um, of what came in her background so yes she has had the the stories about can't you know she she's been brought up in um with the concept that nothing's off limits we talk about everything and wealth is one of the things we talk about you know um robert kiyosaki developed a game called cash flow she was playing that at eight years old uh, we wanted her to understand money right from the start, so it became the norm for her. And um, he's got different levels. There was a couple of games. I know they're online now, board games, when we first started them. And the different levels, we put her straight into the hard level. And we, we always felt that if you come in at one level, that seems the norm to you. And we didn't want to bring her in on the lower level and then say, right, well, now you've got to move up. So we brought her in at the highest level so that that became her norm. But when we first started playing, she said, is there an easier version than this? And I went, no, no, it's, this is the easiest one. (laughs) This is hard. And I'd say, no, this is is the, the easiest version. Within a couple of months, She was playing that game. She was getting out of the game and really wealthy. And she said, mum, I want to move up now to the next game. I think I've mastered this. And we said, you are playing the big game. The next one now is to start doing this in reality. And that was what we did. By the time she was 12, she was trading the share market.
0: Wow. That's very, very impressive.
1: Yeah. She, she learned those things. So, um, What we said to her was, you go to school, and school is going to tell you that you do this, you do that, you do the other. We want you to know there are other choices. And we're not parents who are going to sit there and say, you've got a B minus or a C plus or something. Um, You've got to make sure you get A's. We weren't parents who were going to do that. Um, To us, school was for her to build her social connections. She hadn't had those as a kid, so we wanted her to have those um, and make sure that she built those social connections. Uh, And we said to her, we're teaching you how to build your wealth, so wealth is not something you ever have to worry about. Uh, So, again, I suppose we went against the the model, if you like, for for school. Um, when it came to doing subject choices and studying to do a GCSEs, we actually took her out of school. And we said, you don't need to do that. You already know it. They're going to repeat the same stuff for the next two years just to get you through your exams. So we bring a tutor in who make sure you can retain that level. If you want to do the studying, um, you can. And if you want to take the exams, you can. But we don't think you need them. And she said, what if I want to go to university? And we said, look, there's adult courses. You can go to university as an adult. You're making money you can pay to go as an adult. Oh, okay, she said. Yeah, She's a teacher. She teaches English. We live in Spain. She teaches English to the kids over here. So it hasn't impeded her in any way. She's doing exactly what she wants to do.
0: Uh, such such a wise uh, parenting advice. I'm listening as a as a parent to a five year old and making making lots of uh, lots of mental notes because this is uh, this is exactly how i would love um our daughter to be uh, to be brought up uh, as well not being restricted but by, by all those uh, social norms and limits and you have you have to because the the world is just so much so much bigger than that it's it's, it's so so wonderful to hear the story So wealth, you mentioned that already a number of times and I'm uh, coming now to it. Uh, When did it start? So you you were a professional tennis player, uh, but then there is quite a step, I think, between professional sport and then finance and banking. You worked in HMRC and the wealth. So uh, how did that happen? Well,
1: when I couldn't play tennis... I knew I had to do something, right? So the surgery on my wrist, um, by the time I got to the stage where I was back in playing sport, to me, I felt that I'd lost the edge that um, would make me really good in the sport because it had taken me so long to um, recover from that surgery. And um, a job came up with Inland Revenue, so I took that job. I was in that for um four and a half years um I've met my husband we moved to New Zealand and I went into banking and I've got to admit I absolutely love banking um I I enjoyed uh, inland revenue I my mind I guess is um I'm not a math person I um you know if you you put math equations and stuff like that in front of me it means absolutely nothing to me right I do study data And I see trends and that's the way I work. I see trends and I can look at numbers and I see trends there. And um, banking, that suited me. I could go in, I could do, you know, all sorts of stuff around banking. I could see numbers, I could see trends. It was fantastic. And then I had the car crash. And the car crash, uh, when you were in some sort of um oh i've heard a few people few people talk about it uh, that when you're in that kind of situation um stress becomes something that you struggle to manage and when i was in banking if I, i i could work at a certain stress level and then i was able to move up to the next level when things happened and I always seemed to have something in reserve that I could move up and up through these stress levels when I had the car crash I, d- I couldn't it was like I struggled to cope with absolutely everything around me and I gotta admit the bank were absolutely fantastic but it became apparent I couldn't continue in that job um, I had to give that job up I absolutely loved it but I had to give it up So I found myself in a situation where um, I was in rehabilitation. Uh, The government uh, only paid for the first 90 days. And like I've already said, it took me two years to learn to walk. So I had to pay for that. I had no job, (laughs) so I had no income. And I had to find a way to make money. And um, that's really where the wealth comes from. There was a need to make money. Uh, My husband had a business. Um, I did start working in the business and we grew that to a multi-million dollar business and sold. Well, we went to sell the business and the sale actually fell through, Um, had a few issues around that. And then really went right back to the beginning again. But we knew then that, hey, we know how to make money. We know how to get things going. So, yeah, we just then got
0: stuck in and off we went and um, you uh, in our uh previous conversations, conversations you mentioned you started to study uh what successful people and wealthy people has uh has done what prompted you how how did you study and uh did you did you just started to apply what they've done or certain things because um I suppose lots of people maybe try to do that, or they 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 listen to uh, to stories, they read interviews, they read books. But how? Uh, so it is still their story. How do you apply that to you? How can you do the same?
1: Well, when you look right, I as a kid, I read, uh, and I liked biographies. I've always loved biographies. So that was what I read. Um, I read sporting biographies. I read, um, you had actors, musicians. I was always reading their biographies. And when they tell the stories about, I did this and I went here, what you look at is not, well, I went and saw somebody. You think, why did they actually do that? how did they actually do that? And they were the questions I would be asking myself when I started studying what the wealthiest people were doing. Uh, And really it's only um, in the 1990s, we started to have the internet, and I could then start to find out more information, and I started to see courses about how you can do this and that and that started me on the education side of things and getting in and learning but when you when someone tells a story um, you look at the the why they did it the how they did it. They tell you the story that. I met Joe Blogs, and I became this person by meeting them. But you want to know how did they meet that person? Why did they want to meet that person? What did that person tell them that moved them through? So to me, it's delving into what they It's delving into what's behind the story, not what they're actually telling you, right? And when I start, I told you I analyze everything, right? Numbers is my game, and I see trends. And so when I'm looking at people and I'm asking myself these questions, um, I started to see patterns in me. And that's when I realized, okay, there's a pattern to doing this. There's a pattern to doing this. There's a, you know, and there's really, uh, when you think about it, there's, I would say, five things that makes the person successful. One is choice. Everybody has to make a decision about something. So it's the choices that you make. And Jeff Bezos, he's a great person for that. He says, everybody has gifts, but it's not the gifts that generate the wealth. It's the choices you make. So choice is number one. Number two would be focus. You know, making sure that you you put that focus in to whatever it is that you actually want to do, Um, create a plan. Um, Because I see people have there is a, a pathway, and when you look at everybody, they really you can break down what they've done, and it is an actual pathway that they follow. So you've got choice, you've got focus, you've got to put a plan in place. You have to take action steps. And if you don't know something, you go and get educated on it. And every time you listen to people talking, they are talking about these five things. You know, Jeff Bezos, like I said, he's talking about choice. He says that's the thing that made him wealthy was because he made choices and he made choices that other people weren't prepared to make. You know, when you talk to um, Warren Buffett, yeah, he talks about the education that he had, and he talks about focus as being the number one thing that got him there. Um, interesting story with him and uh, Warren, what? Not Warren, um, Bill Gates. They were on a stage together being interviewed, and somebody in the audience said write down one word without talking to each other, write down one word that you think was your, made you successful. And they both wrote down the word focus. Okay. Yeah, so focus is another key. Action steps, you've got to be prepared to take the action. So I think there's five keys that determine that you make that
0: success. Um And is that something that you teach your students now is it uh, is it the five steps that you distilled and that you now pass it on um i touch on those
1: because that to me is what i call the mindset and when you're dealing with um creating wealth uh to me 80% of it is your mindset so getting those things right to the mindset i teach the skills okay so how are you going to do this but I can't teach one without the other, so I do touch on things, um, having a little bit about mindset. But I'm really the skills person. Um,
0: I I don't think I cannot. Uh, not ask a question about current economic climate and do you, uh, does that have uh, an impact and uh, how significant this impact on the ability of a person to uh, become wealthy, uh, whether it's uh, economic prosperity or economic downturn, how how important that is, because that's a big worry on everybody's mind at the moment.
1: It is a big worry for most people. Uh- Now, I believe there are two mindsets. There's a mindset of a trader and there's a mindset of an investor. And I'm an investor. Out and out, I'm an investor. Okay. As an investor, I see bad things in the market and I see opportunities. Right. So when a recession hits, there are always going to be opportunities within a recession. Uh, Whenever there is something bad, you look all around the world, wherever there is something bad, whether it's war, famine, um, you know, you have natural disasters. There is whenever there's something bad, there is an opportunity and it's an opportunity to improve something. So whenever the economy is bad, there is an opportunity out there. So what I do is I'm looking for the opportunities. So to me, I don't care if the market's going up or the market's going down. I see opportunities. And as an investor, I buy low, I sell high. So when markets are going down and people are selling, I'm the person who's there buying. Mm -hmm. Because for me, um, it's... When the markets go down, it's like I've got a sale on. Uh, uh, It used to be you have the January sales after Christmas where they really cut the prices down to bring everybody in to buy. I look at the markets that way. When the markets are going down, I see huge buying opportunities to get in there and buy. When the markets start going up and other people start coming into the market because the prices are going up, I'm the person who's selling taking my profit and getting out because I thought low I'm now selling high and getting out of the market. So as an investor, I go contrarian to what the markets are actually doing. So while I alter a little bit, my strategy depending on where the markets are, I'm, I'm either hoarding or I'm selling. <laughs> so I do change my strategy. Um, it doesn't bother me whether markets come down or go up. I look for the opportunities that are there. And if if you look, there are always opportunities. Thank you. Um
0: uh, thank you. It's it's a Great strategy when you have already a portfolio, a portfolio and you have um, assets and uh, you can afford to possibly di- diversify assets. Offs- what would you recommend to somebody who is just starting? So who they don't have um, a lot of disposable income and they don't have investable uh, amount of cash or assets. How, how do they start? What, what do they do? Where, how do you start? Well, I gotta say that's
1: what my company's all about, right? That is my philosophy. I started with zero. Um, I borrowed three hundred pound on a credit card. I turned that into um, ten million in four years, right? So my whole philosophy is that people start with zero. So when someone um, signs up on one of my courses, my 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 signature course. So am I uh, am I allowed to talk about my course? Yeah. Please, please. <laughs> All right. So my signature course is called Zero to Millionaire. All right. The whole concept of it is you start with zero and I can show you, teach you how you can do things with no money to start bringing some money in. And then once you've started bringing that money in, how you can invest it. So that is the whole philosophy behind my company. I keep my course prices really low so that I can bring in the people that want to learn, need to learn, and show them the steps that they can take. So we start business right? because that's how you bring money in is through a business. And we look at the businesses that you can start with nothing. And one of the things I do is I get people to start an eBay business. And I say to them, walk around your house. What haven't you used in the last six months? Are you likely to continue using it? If you're not, go and try selling it on eBay. And I give this challenge in month one to people. The people who take up the challenge, not everybody does, but the ones who take up the challenge, the lowest amount they've made is £211 in the first month. The highest I've had so far is £2,750. Mm-hmm. Now, that £2,750 is actually quite remarkable because it was actually 5500 that the person made, but it was her and a sister who did it, and she split the amount with the sister. So her actual income was 2750 and that was simply by looking at what have we got that we haven't used and generating some money. So once we get people into the habit, you know, there's all sorts of businesses. I call them side hustles that you can create online. Once they get into the habit of having that money coming in, we show them then how they can get into shares, and they can get into shares. £10, £20, £50, £100, All right? So it's possible to start investing very low. And yes, you do need money to get the big results. But what we're doing is we're starting you low so that you can build those larger amounts and get the results. So that's the whole focus. Um, I get people to start side hustle businesses. I bring them into investing in shares. I then get them into property and then into gold and silver bullion investing. And what I do is when people show me that they are consistently making the effort, doing the the business and building those um, income streams, because I'm all about multiple income streams, so they're building those income streams. Then I say to them, hey, I've got joint venture opportunities. You can come into this one for 100. You can come into this one for 250. Um, if you want to do it, this is how we're really going to accelerate the wealth for you. And I bring them in and into the joint ventures. But I, I like to see, I don't want to introduce people straight away to joint ventures. I like to see that they're starting to think my way and knowing that they can build things from nothing and start looking for where the opportunities are so that when we start joint venturing, I'm not saying, no, I'm not doing that one because it doesn't fit in my philosophy. I'm going to be going for this one because then they understand the way I think. And yeah, we're we're then able to um, accelerate their wealth through these joint ventures that we do.
0: So your remarkable story, £300 on credit card, turned into 10 million in four years so you would say it is still possible to do today and you see people uh, becoming millionaires with zero from yeah. zero
1: yeah i have 150 clients who are in um different joint ventures that i offer in the share industry right because we um i have um what i call consortiums little clubs where we bring people together, we pool the money and we invest. 150 people are in these um, clubs and they're all on target to become multi-millionaires through this. They started with nothing. They had to start creating that 100 a month to invest. And then we're able to pull their money. Uh, The way I did it, that 300 that I spent on a credit card was to pay the lawyer for a property I bought and I negotiated a zero deposit on the property. So I didn't need money to get into the property and I never used any of my money to get into property. Uh, I started zero and then I get like the snowball effect compounding and it grew. Shares that I had, side hustles, I had two side hustles. I made some money, I put that into shares, I grew the shares. And we're talking about when there's a recession, I was doing this. I'm, I'd lived in New Zealand, I came back to Britain. I was doing this when Britain was in a recession. I was buying the properties, I was buying the shares. As the market started recovering, I sold, I made, all, I made all loads and loads of money. So I do exactly what I teach.
0: You, you speak very uh, passionately about, uh, about wealth, about being uh, financially independent. Um, do you think uh, success and wealth and also happiness, are they all linked? Do you, uh, do you, does everybody have to be wealthy to be successful and to be happy? What is your definition of success?
1: Uh, everybody has a different definition. You, you asked me right at the beginning what my definition was, and I said the first time I considered myself successful was learning to walk after everybody had written me off. I did I didn't need money to pay for that, to pay for um, all the treatments that I had to get me to that stage. Uh, so I had to find a way to make that money to be able to do that whatever your level of success is whatever you consider success to be for you you have to put a price on can I do this with money can I do it without money uh, for me I have always had to have money because I had to pay for my treatments I had to pay Uh, to put food on the table while I was having the treatments, keep a roof over my head. So it was important for me to be able to generate that money. So wealth is very important for me. It created the freedom that I enjoy and the ability to do the things that were important to me for success. So, yeah, for me, they're interlinked. But for someone else, success might be that they just want to go and sit on a beach and have their grandkids or their kids around them and just enjoy a day on the beach. Is there some money involved in that? There could be because they might have to um, travel to the beach. They may have to um, pay for food for the kids, for the grandkids, for themselves if they're going to spend a whole day there. So to me, there's an element of money. But it doesn't, it could be £10, $10, it could be a hundred thousand that you need to achieve what you want. I tell a story, um, and it's something that I get my clients to actually do. And it's what I call my perfect day. And I ask people to write down what would be an absolute perfect day for them if they had no money issues whatsoever and some people just want to be able to go and take their family to a restaurant right? a restaurant of choice so there's no worry about money but they have to have a little bit of money to be able to afford to go to the restaurant so that for them if that is success for them their perfect day is success then it's a very little bit of money that they need my perfect day is, I need a lot of money to achieve my perfect day. Uh, I, I wrote my perfect day in 1999. I was living in the Southern Hemisphere at the time, and it was all based around the Northern Hemisphere. And at the time, I had no intention of going back to the UK. However, in 2000, circumstances changed. I found myself in the UK, uh, I was able to start working on my perfect day, I have three elements to it, two of those that are achieved, and I'm now working on the third element of it. It takes quite a bit of money to do the ones that I want, mm-hmm. Wealth is important to me to achieve that perfect day. So there is an element of money involved in things but it doesn't mean you have to go out and be a millionaire or a billionaire to have that success. Right? It all comes down to what is your, your dream, what you want your lifestyle to be like, um, where you see the things that are important to you. And it's ensuring that you have the money to be able to do those things. Yeah.
0: Is it true to say that now what drives you is achieving that perfect day that you've described? Once you have achieved that, what will you do then? Will uh, will there be a new picture be uh, a new target, or do, will you feel that you have achieved that and you can now rest?
1: Um, no, there'll be more. Um, mm. I, you know, I'm one of those people. I'm lucky. My husband's exactly the same. Um, we won't, we'll never retire. Right? Um, we believe that if you keep working, you keep your mind active, then you live longer. Right? And I have to admit, one of the fears that I have is that I'm not going to live long enough to do all the things that I have. <laughs> Because the list just gets longer and longer. And as I tick something off the top, I add like two or three things on the bottom. All right. So my list just gets longer and longer all the time. And my husband's exactly the same. You know, we want we have things that we want to do. Yeah, the perfect day, that's going to be fantastic to achieve that. Right. And my perfect day, um, I, I I'm not scared to share it because I share it with everybody. But my perfect day is I want to wake up in the French Alps and ski, spend the morning skiing. I want to then go to Monaco for lunch on the boat, and I mm-hmm. want to go to Spain and watch the sunsets as I'm having dinner. Okay. All on the same day. <laughs> perfect day. I told <laughs> you. I'm I I, I love,
0: love it. I love it.
1: We bought the apartment in France in 2007, okay? We went to UK in 2000, 2007, we bought the apartment in France. Uh, 2018, we bought a place in Spain. We now live here permanently. Um, It's on the the beach and I have stunning sunsets every single night, okay? It's the boat in Monaco that's the hold up at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I have, I have said I have some goals I want to achieve, and when I achieve those goals, my reward will be that I will have my
0: boat. The boat. I I do have a boat on, on my vision board as well. There is something about there is something about it. It's a different level of freedom I think for me. Yeah. So you know I work on
1: these things. I have them there. I'm not afraid to go after them, chase them. Uh, I dream about them. And like I said, I have my list and I just keep adding more and more and more to the list all the time. So if I get my boat, yeah, I've got my boat and I'll be working on the next thing after that. Um,
0: do you think you have certain uh, habits, or possibly daily rituals uh, that are contributors to your to your success, the the fact that you do day in, day out, and that's one of those things that determines um how successful you are. Yeah. Um, for me, I
1: I take some time out every morning uh to focus my mind to really say what am I going to work on today? Is this going to be working towards the goals that I want to achieve? You know, and I, I do a lot of planning. Uh, to me, planning is really essential. So every day I'm planning, what am I going to do today? How am I going to do this? How is this going to hit my goals? Because I have a lot of goals and anything I do has to be focused towards achieving those goals. And I sit in the morning and... Um, as long as it's fine. And we don't, luckily here in Spain, we don't get much rain. So most mornings I'm out on the balcony, I'm sat looking at the sea, and I'm there just refocusing my mind, refocusing everything, and saying, right, these are the goals, these are what I'm aiming for, these are the action steps I'm taking today. And right now we're ready, let's go and do it.
0: How long have you been doing that? Did you have this habit for quite some time now? Yeah, um, planning,
1: I have always been a planner. Okay, the actual taking time out to concentrate the mind and say, yes, I'm going to um, do that. That is really something that I've only done probably in the last five or six years. I, um, when I lived in the UK we had a big garden uh, it was going to be longer than that I would say probably try and put a time frame on it you know we lived in the house for 15 years so it's pretty hard to say um, how long I was doing that for but it's been quite a long time so when I lived in the other house um, had a dog and my focus in the morning is that I would go for a walk and I Um, we lived on the canal we um, had a few acres of land there and I'd go for a walk around Uh, we'd built a little summer house for our daughter um, which was on on a little pond and I used to go and sit on the um, veranda that we built on this summer house for her and I'd just be looking at the um, water and I'd just Tune out and focus, and then the dog would say, "Come on, time to go." <laughs> you know, so um, I, I have thinking about it. I've probably done it for quite a long time, Thank and I you. think it's about the mind down, getting rid of distractions, and saying, "This is what I'm going for today. This is what I'm going to do."
0: Question about you being a woman. Have you ever seen in in respect uh, towards you uh, that that's uh, stopped you or prevented you or um, limited you in any way or form? And also, do you think being a woman, uh, is it more difficult to be successful to build wealth if we're talking now about wealth? Or do you think it's absolutely equal women and men uh, these days?
1: No, my experience has been there is a man's world. Right. And when I was in banking, um, there weren't many women in banking. Right, So I, I sort of grew up, if you like, in a man's world. Um, so I know that I probably adapted or adopted, guess the word I should probably use, to some of the traits that they have which accepts me more into a man's world right um i remember when i was having all the treatments from the car crash and um i had some male therapists and they said it's actually quite refreshing when you come in because you don't flirt with us and i thought (laughs) you know what i said I don't know whether I should be offended or what. And they said, no, don't do it the wrong way. Um, Women do flirt without realising that they do it. You don't. You come in like you're used to being around men, so you just accept them as they are. And I went, oh, okay, well, I'm not so offended by that. And they said it's like subconsciously. And I I put that down to the fact that everything I've done has always been in the male industry. You know, um, when I started working with my husband, my husband was in the fire industry. He had fire alarms, um, sprinklers. We, we, when buildings were built, we went in. We put uh, the fire alarm systems, the sprinkler systems, the means of escape, everything like that. We put into the buildings. There were no women. Now. When I represented my company um, at the uh, Bio Contractors Association, my husband said, look, you're better at doing meetings than I am, I'm better here managing the project. So will you go and represent the company? And the first day I went into a room, I, I turned up, I arrived a bit early, I went and sat in the room and I watched this guy walk into the room take one look at me, turn around, walk straight back out, look at the name over the room, and he came straight back to me and he said, are you in the right room? And I said, yes, I think so. Well, who are you? And then he gave me 20 questions about what right I had to be in that room. This is just awful. Would not acknowledge me in there at all. And if I raised a question, it turned out he was the chairman. If I raised a question, he just ignored me. If there was a discussion going on and I wanted to add something, he would ignore me. Right? And so I just kept going along. About six months later, there was an election for the chairman's position. And a couple of the guys came to me and they said, we would like to put you forward as the chairman. And I said, why? You know, I, I'm not allowed to contribute anything or say anything in yet, I just turn up. And um, they said, we think it would be good to have a woman here. We know you're the only woman, and we think this would be a fantastic opportunity for our association. And we've watched you in the background, so you're not someone who's going to go off doing all this. You, you, you've got a company, you're focusing on it. And I was put up for the election. I actually won it. The chairman's position was an annual position uh, with a maximum of two terms. Uh, they actually changed the con- the constitution, and I stayed there for five terms. And what I did was I built little teams people brought them together and gave them projects to work on um, we brought in um, education in the industry so we had qualifications we um brought in standards for the industry we made people iso 9000 um, certified we negotiated with um australia and um Singapore and other areas to uh, make the industry consistent between make the standards consistent. Um, at the five end of five years, they were still electing me to be chairman, and I said no. I have to
0: stand down. In I, your face, Mister Seal. What? <laughs> go Karen. What a great well, story.
1: Cross that to answer your question. I have come across it a lot and i hate to say it because i am very pro women in business but if i've had an issue and i need to make a phone call to sort a problem out if i have a woman on the other end of the phone they are very very difficult to deal with and that is what one thing i think women have to realize how they treat other women because I've rung up, I've had a problem, and I say, Look, I want to do such and such. No, you can't do that. You're not allowed to do that. It doesn't fit with what we want to do. And I said, Okay, just a moment. So I call my husband in and I say, Ron, I'm trying to do this. He said, Okay. I said, um, I'm just giving you authorization to talk to my husband. And I put my husband on, and he said, Look, we want to do this, this, this. No problem, Mr. Newton. It's all sorted for you right so i have met those unbelievable and the barrier has been as women we've got to realize we need to help women achieve what women want to achieve right and sometimes women um in jobs put a barrier there against other women and they don't realize they're doing it you know and like i said i put my husband on the phone and they just oh yeah mr newton no problem yeah it looks fine you know so It's good having a husband there sometimes who can uh, do things with you. But there are barriers that women need to overcome. And I think that starts with you making sure that you know exactly what you want to do. You're making the choices that you want. You put a plan together. You take those action steps. You have determination, patience, perseverance. You just put all those things in place and you achieve what you want to achieve.
0: Thank you. And have you seen any positive changes uh, throughout the years? Is it getting better? Is it getting more equal? Is there light inside? I'm hoping for it. I'm hoping for it. Yes. (laughs) um, It is
1: nice. Like um, I see a lot of women who are coming to the forefront a bit more, right? Because I think um, it seems to be more difficult for There are still stigmas around women having certain roles. And I like to see women come forward and be able to say, hey, I know how to do that. I can manage it. I'm the best person for the job. And I do see some of that coming forward. Um, I would love to see more women on the billionaire list. Uh, There are quite a few women on there. But most of them have either inherited their Mm -hmm. money or they've had their money as a result of a divorce. Uh, I would love to see more women who can make that money for themselves and bring themselves through as successful people.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Karen. as we will be moving towards wrapping up, uh, I'd like to ask you some quick questions, I call them, uh, we call them blitz questions, maybe not necessarily think uh, think, think, it over, quick, quick question and a quick answer. Uh, you have written uh, quite a number of books yourself at 21, uh, if, if I'm not mistaken. If you had a book written about you, what would you like the name of it to be? I think my
1: course, Zero to Millionaire, I I think that sums up exactly what I've done. Um, That is a, you know, I have a book that I wrote called Phoenix, um, Mm -hmm. because Phoenix to me is things have happened and it's been start again, start again. And I think that's what life is all about. So Phoenix was a total, um, it was like a semi biography book that I wrote and i think that just reflects so yeah a couple of things there phoenix because you're always reinventing not reinventing but you everybody has blocks in life and they have to start and get over that block and start afresh so anything like phoenix or zero to millionaire yeah i I think that describes me
0: thank you Which book would you recommend, could you recommend uh, that had a big influence on you and you think is a must for other people to read as well? Well, that's a hard
1: one because I read so many books. Um, Robert Kiyosaki and Sharon Lecter's books, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, they are phenomenal books. Um, I love um, Richard... Is it Richard Brunson? I can't, I can't, Brunson is his name. He does the um, dot-com expert, traffic
0: expert. Um, Brun, Brunson. think It is Brunson with a U, Brun. Yeah. Um, he's written a lot of books
1: about building online businesses. So there are so many books I've read and they have, being needed at a certain time, I've been looking for something. So, to say there's one book which has totally changed things, I can't. But if you want to start wealth, I would say um, Robert Kiyosaki's books, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, if you want to get into online, then definitely the dot com Traffic Secrets, Expert Secrets um, by Brunson. Sorry, his first name just um, slips now. They're really good. Russell Russell Brunson. Russell Russell. Brunson. Those books are really good. So it's whatever you want. Um, You know, it's finding those books. In fact, one of the books that I absolutely love is a fiction book written by Barbara Taylor Bradford, and it's called A Woman of Substance. And it's a story about a lady who is born uh, very poor. She um, becomes a servant in a a wealthy family and how it's her lifestyle that she goes from that to becoming a business owner to becoming one of the wealthiest women in the world. Um, And then that evolved into a series of books, which was Woman of Substance, Hold the Dream and to Be the Best. And I absolutely love those books. Uh, the number of times I go back and read those over and over again is um, unbelievable. So they're fiction books. and uh, But I just love the whole concept of the Woman of Substance book.
0: Thank you. I've noted it down for myself. I haven't read it. So def- definitely on my list. Thank you. What is your favorite unimportant thing to do?
1: My favorite unimportant thing to do? I knit, I crochet, Uh, that's time out, I do cross stitch. So I do a lot of um, craft, arty sort of things. I'm not a drawer or a painter or anything, but I do the um, needle crafts, if if you like, yeah.
0: And what is your next challenge in terms of skills that you don't have, but something that you would love to learn and to uh, become good at? Um,
1: there's not one thing uh basically what happens is I analyze my business and I'm always identifying if I'm not reaching the targets that I want what area needs to be improved next right so um I have some strategies that when I look at them I think ah right, what's the latest trend in that? what do I need to learn now to make that part work better or, you know, what's this one? So I'm always on training courses Um, and I'm always um, adding more into my business. And as I grow my business, there's things I'm thinking, you know what? I need to learn that. What's that? That's not working. So when I'm reviewing my business all the time, I'm always looking at what area um, when you do a business plan, you do a thing that's called a SWOT, strengths, weakness, opportunities, threats. I always look at the weaknesses and the threats and I think, right, what is one of those that I can now take? I can learn about that and I can make that into a strength or an opportunity for the business. So there's no one thing that I'm always working on, but I'm, I'm always looking at those weaknesses, those threats and how I can move my business forward and what training I need to be able to do that.
0: And what about new, unimportant things that you'd like to do? New unimportant important things? Um, at the moment, uh,
1: a little difficult for me. Um, I'm waiting for surgery, so I'm, I'm a bit restricted with what I can actually do. But I am focusing on my boat, so there's going to be lots of things around this boat. Boats. It's going sooner rather than later. <laughs>
0: Thank you. Thank you, Karen. And um, maybe one of the last questions. Can women have it all? Yes. You can do, be, have anything you
1: want. And it comes down to those five things I mentioned earlier. Making the choice, putting the plan in place, focusing on it, taking the action steps and getting the education that you need to make sure you can do it all.
0: Thank you. Stop. I would, I would like, sorry. I said, stop making excuses. Just go and do it. Thank you, Karen. And I would love to finish just on that because it's been so, uh, so inspirational, so uh, contagiously inspiring. Thank you so much for your story, for the insights, for uh, for sharing your experiences so so openly. Thank you very much. It's been such an honor and a pleasure to have you as a guest. Thank you. Thank you, Marina. I've really enjoyed chatting with you today, and I really look forward to hearing about your new chapters and stories and uh, the boats.
1: <laughs> That's coming. <laughs>